0: The WojPod is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear,
1: more driven. Welcome in, everybody, to a joint, low-post, Pod Zoom event, whatever this is. Apparently, this is how we do things now, where I am lucky enough to be joined by ESPN Insider Adrian Wojnarowski, and lucky enough to be joined by hundreds of you, people who I can't see, but I assume you're all very nice, handsome, gorgeous-looking people. Woj, we have made it through an improbable and a little bit crazy and a little bit constrained, a little bit stressful NBA season. The play-in tournament is here. The playoffs will be here soon. Mm -hmm. It all went by kind of in a blink, but it's time to sort of sit back and take stock. Again, thanks, everybody, for joining. Woj, how are you doing? I'm doing
0: great and you know for as great as I know everybody looks out there they don't look better than me in my my fast food headset that
1: you look like I'm you're wearing plays red red plays. X49 X well, red, here's a you know.
0: problem here's the problem like I can never figure out how to get the iPods or the, the AirPods to work in this and so it always comes back to this usually there's not video but I'm exposed here with this but uh it's great to be here it's great to be here with everybody and uh Yeah, it's been uh, 72 games, play in tournament around the corner and then the playoffs and then a sprint into the draft and free agency. And then maybe on the other side of that, we get back to a a more normal calendar and then uh, uh, an NBA season that that hopefully includes a lot of fans in the stands. And uh, and we're, we're all back on track, but there's a lot of hoops between between now and then.
1: Yeah, I hope everyone out there is healthy, staying safe, and doing all the things we are supposed to do. Let's start with the play-in, which has been sort of the simmering story of the season, even though it took really until the last two or three weeks for, I think, every fan to realize, whoa, well, this is a thing. Like, the race for six, then the Lakers might be in the play-in. So here's the play-in universe. In the East, Boston, Washington, 7-8. Win and you're in. You're number seven. You face the Brooklyn Nets. Lose and you face the winner of Indiana, Charlotte. And then the winner of that... Gets the eighth seed and they get to face the Philadelphia 76ers, for whom, by the way, the bracket broke absolutely perfectly. The Sixers have no excuse other than some injury that we hope doesn't happen to not make their first conference finals in quite a while. In the West, well, the Spurs and the Grizzlies are playing a basketball game. (laughs) But the 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 game of the year so far is tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Wednesday. Uh, At 10 p.m. Eastern, the Lakers and the Warriors, the winner gets the seventh seed. The loser is precariously one game away from elimination. One of the absolute apex superstars of the league will be one game away from playoff elimination. LeBron James and the Lakers against Steph Curry and the Warriors. I'm just curious, Woj, now that we're here and now that, you know, if you look at it from sort of a, a callous business perspective, it's a home run that we get the most star-studded play-in game possible. And there's also some big downside <laughs> risk of a marquee name missing the playoffs entirely. I'm wondering, when you talk to people around the league, when yeah. you talk to people in the NBA league offices, when you talk to people in the players' union, as I do too, what what is the temperature take as we, as we enter the first year of this? Is it popular is it unpopular? Do we think it's going to spe- be a part of the NBA going forward?
0: I do think it's going to be a part of the NBA going forward. And I think the we can talk about this too. You know, the thing that this was always coupled with pre-pandemic was playing tournament, mid-season tournament. And they, they, they put the mid-season on ice, but we're going to hear about that again, maybe not next season. Uh, but, but in the future, when it, when the league maybe feels it's back on track uh, calendar wise, I think the league office is as committed as ever to this. There, I don't think there's any turning back from their point of view. And, and back when they had to do the vote, they had to do some pushing with some organizations, some teams. Uh, but I think it's still, there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. I think we'll see how it plays out this week. You know, that the Lakers, having the Lakers and Warriors here, what, what I do think the part of the play-in was, therefore, too, was to be a safety net. Let's say in a season, let's say the Lakers' injuries were kept star players out longer. And, and, they're, and they're
1: ninth, right? They're, they're
0: ninth, ninth. Yeah. or they're ninth or they're tenth. It was a safety net for a team that got decimated by injuries to be able to still be in there. That was it. Now, when they're at seven or eight, you don't feel as good about it because you, you risk losing them. But uh, I think that, ga- listen, that Warrior-Laker game is going to probably be as highly rated of a game as, as we've had this season, I'll be curious how it stacks up to other playoff games later in the postseason. Uh, I think there's a lot of, gru- there's more grumbling about the play-in this year because of the condensed schedule right. and that it forced teams. And Mark Cuban said this at the time when he first raised it after, you know, not coincidentally after the day Luka Doncic had complained about it, but teams did agree with the idea that We've got this condensed schedule. We are grinding through this thing. And the fear of the play-in or trying to avoid it, we're running our guys into the ground. We're worried about the toll it is taking on our players. In another season, in an 82-game schedule, um, it, it may or may not have that impact. But But in the sprint that was this condensed season and then the second half of the year where teams like Washington, Memphis, We're playing even more games because of the postponements. They worried about the toll it took on guys. And so that's been the complaint about it, Zach, but I think it's here to stay. And I think this is a league that knows it needs to put some juice into its calendar, into its regular season. Um, And they've got to add, they've had to add some elements and then we'll see what happens with that midseason tournament. But, I I don't think we're going to just go back to what had been a cookie cutter 82 game schedule. And then, and then one through eight in each conference. I I think those days are gone.
1: I think I'm, I'm glad you brought up the wizards because to me, when the league wants to prove its case, if they need to prove their case. And by the way, they got thrown into the fire right away with the best player in the world and the marquee name in the NBA, saying that Evan Wash, the guy who created the play-in tournament, should be fired. So it's like when when LeBron talks, people listen. So they got they got they didn't just get you know minor players criticizing it. They got the guy, and they they're standing by it. To me, the Wizards are are the best, maybe the best story of the last forty games of the season, and proof positive of why I think this is a good idea. Think about what we don't get. If the wizards don't think they have something to play for, we don't get what Russell Westbrook just did for the last 30 or 40 games. We don't get drama on the last days. The wizards are only four games under 500. Think of how deep in a hole they were. They couldn't practice for two weeks. The virus and the protocols completely broke their team. And for them to tough it out like this. And I also credit the Grizzlies who had a big time backloaded schedule and mm-hmm. kept on winning finished four games or 500, but the wizards, that's that they are the poster team for me for why I mean the play in I love the play in I actually don't really get any of the criticism of the play in I have yet to read any coaching argument that makes any point that resonates with me at all about why the play in would allegedly be a bad idea but if there's a team to point to it's the Wizards and by the way I just said the bracket broke great for Philly blah blah if they somehow ended up playing Washington that's at least a fun series people are excited to tune into that series and see those two guards and what they can do against Philly
0: yeah, and I, I I wish Bradley Beal was a hundred percent. He I give him so much credit for what he did with his team. They had a four percent chance of getting in the play in on April, early April before wow. they started that run. A four percent chance of getting in, and a lot of stars of his stature. When it was not going well, we see it a lot. It could be, look what's around me. Look 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 at who I'm playing with. Um, I got to get some help here. And he had a couple nights. There were a couple nights where you could see the frustration and he didn't, he didn't look like himself on the bench, but he snapped out of it quick. And all this guy did was, and I respect this so much about Beal. He understands what it means to be a franchise player, not just when it's going great, but when it's not going well. And that part of your responsibility, all of your responsibility is to lift up the group. And When the trade deadline was coming and everybody was trying to put Bradley Beal all over the league, is he like, what about this team and this team? He would hear none of it. All he talked about within that Wizards organization was, how can we get this turned around? What do you need from me? Let's get some guys healthy, get some guys back. You know, we forget about Thomas
1: Bryant who had such a good season last year. I actually forgot about Thomas Bryant. You just said his name. And I was like, wow, they have so many centers that they already played three centers. I forgot about Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, right? right,
0: Who signed that extension and, and and you know, had that knee injury very early in the season. And you lose him for the year. And he was such a, you just saw him growing, you know, a really good wizard success development story. Hadn't had a lot of those before Tommy Shepard had taken over as GM. And I thought that was one of them. And And yet- he just has pushed through this thing, and then Russ got healthy. I mean, remember the first three weeks after the Wall Westbrook trade, Zach? It was oh boy, the 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 Rockets won this trade, right? Like you and were I think hearing it was,
1: that it was it was longer than three weeks. I it mean, was Russ a while. For the, Russ for the first twenty five plus games of the season was kind of a rough watch. And, it was and, hard. And you yeah. and you wondered. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, is, is this, is this the way it's going to end? And then, you know, he obviously turned it around and got healthy.
0: Yeah. And so I think for Beal, I, I just, he has handled this like you you just would hope. And, but it's been everything he's been about in Washington. It was when he signed the extension a couple of years ago and we talked, I remember sitting down and talking to him on the podcast about that and about wanting to see it through there. And, you know, that's going to be a conversation for another day about what's next for him. But, he is really, he is playing hurt right now. You could see him the way he was laboring that he scored 25 points yesterday. The way he was moving on the court, I thought was remarkable. You know, his game is so much now cutting and slashing. He came into the league as a, as a, is a jump shooter. And now his game, uh, you know, he's at the rim and he was really fighting it. And I think he's going to be fighting it in Boston. I, he doesn't have the time here to get well. Maybe they can steal a win here and get in in a, in a best of seven. I I, I worry that he's not going to be able to, well, we'll see, but, but he may not, those hamstrings are difficult. You you need an off season sometimes to get them right. But, but just a great deal of respect for how they've handled it, fought back. And you're right, Zach, they are a, uh, they're a testament to why this plan has value. They're going to be one of the things the league will point to and you said what they went through with COVID and the way it hit that team um, was unlike any other team in the league.
1: Yeah, I had Beal third team All-NBA. It's the second time in three years I've had him All-NBA. And I, and I said, I wrote today, I think Curry might be the only guy in the league who when he, has, when he catches the ball coming off a screen has more bodies and limbs in his face. I mean, Brad Beal is often out there as the only shooter on the team and how Neto has actually kind of had a sneakily good year for them. So you can count him as a shooter, I guess, but the, the amount of attention he's dealing with and for him to navigate that and get 31 a night is really good. And, and by the way, if the Lakers lose, if the Lakers somehow don't make the playoffs, there will be renewed calls. There were already preemptive calls from people in the media that I saw saying, well, if, if the Lakers miss the playoffs, some heads might fall for this. I completely disagree. If you, if you are so poor, weakly committed to an idea that in year one, yeah. the wrong team misses the playoffs and you're like, you know what? We can't do it. Then you never cared about the idea to begin with. It reminds me of a firing a coach if you make if you miss the playoffs, but you miss by one game on like a right. buzzer beater. So they yeah. all of a sudden that coach is not the coach for you. The NBA is committed to the idea. If the Lakers flame out, they should still be committed to the idea. They should not cave. It's it's a good idea. Let's talk for a couple minutes if you want about the marquee matchup, which is Lakers Warriors on Wednesday night. And I agree with you. I, I don't even know what the ratings will be like. If you told me they'll be on par with a finals game, I, I would. I mean, the 10 p.m. start is a bit of a disadvantage, but I I this this does. I was watching film of the Lakers and Warriors regular season matchups today, and then you think back at the history between LeBron and Curry, and now they they played in four finals, and now they're playing in this literally unprecedented event and it does have the feel of a game seven when you're watching the Mm -hmm. film you're thinking about matchups you're thinking well will they just play LeBron 46 minutes if he if he can do it will LeBron try to pick on Curry every single possession like we've seen him do in in so many finals matchups I think it's a really fun matchup and I I, I think the Lakers would probably be my pick to win Um, but I will say this if you look at the Warriors numbers when they have Steph and Draymond on the floor? Yes. Without, they are something like, I have it here 70
0: somewhere. and 30 something, right?
1: Well, no, in, in just this season. when oh, i talking Draymond, p-
0: career playoff games. It's a crazy number. Just those two, yeah.
1: With Steph and Draymond on the floor this season and no Wiseman, and it's no shot at Wiseman. He's a rookie center. His injury changed their season. They've been much better since you got there. It's, yeah. it's just that's the life of a rookie center. They're plus 11 and a half per 100 possessions with those two on the floor and no Wiseman. Like, that's a really – they're not – it's not just Steph's magic and a bunch of nobodies. Like, that's a good team. I think – what what intrigues you about this matchup? It's 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 exactly that is – listen, I don't
0: think either of us probably believe the Warriors – well, I don't. The Warriors in a best-of-seven – are nearly as dangerous against a Utah or a Phoenix as the Lakers are. The Lakers. When you want to
1: watch that game with the Jazz? What an assignment that would be if you could somehow embed with the Jazz. Watch. I guess no one watches anything as a group, but I would love to yeah. be with some Jazz people on Wednesday night.
0: Oh yeah, and I, but I just think that. Listen, Steph and Draymond, there is just such. They have done so much winning together. And the pieces, listen, they've had some amazing players around them in a lot of these playoff wins, from Clay Thompson to Kevin Durant, certainly. Uh, but those two have been the constants. And in a big game and in big moments, they rise and they keep their poise. And um, they know how to, and especially in this very short, um, in, in a winner go, almost a winner go home, uh, a winner you're almost going home uh, game. Uh, they're just super da- and we we've, they're super dangerous. We've seen it with Steph and the Lakers are just, if the Lakers get out and play, whether they're playing Phoenix, Utah, you're going to believe they can win any series. And that's why everyone's trying to, everyone was trying to duck them. But, uh, I think this is going to be great theater and Steph, listen, we know what that can look like. And he just almost always rises to the moment. And so the Lakers are going to have to be playing at a really high level to knock these guys out. I still would take the Lakers in that game at home, but, uh, you know, the idea of all of a sudden the Lakers being in a, in, in a scenario where they could, you know, then they have to win the, you know, whether it's Memphis or or the Spurs. Def Con like, one. Yeah. And, and for the league, listen, we know what it means for the league to have the Lakers in the postseason, and to have LeBron and the Lakers out the two biggest draws. I don't know. There, there might be numbers to dispute this, the sense that I always got. And I I really don't, I don't know. Nobody ever shows me ratings at ESPN. I don't see them. I read about them. I see them somewhere else, but my sense was always the two guys who really drive ratings and drive interest are LeBron James and Steph Curry. And then everybody else is trailing those two though. Those two have been the constants. Uh, so having them in that, in that game is, is, uh, 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 pretty remarkable stuff.
1: It's hard to pick against LeBron in a win one game scenario, given the way he can just control the cadence of the game, the pace of it. It's almost like he bends the, the whole structure of the game to the way he wants it to be. And obviously, Steph and Draymond live kind of in chaos, right? They want it to be fast. They want it to be in, in transition. And they they play so beautifully together. I mean, they have a chemistry. Their, their chemistry together is sort of why we even watch basketball. It's just the, what they've developed over the years. I think you have the Lakers. Will they try to bludgeon the Warriors with size or will they have to downsize and play AD at the, at at the five, which they've rarely done. I think it's going to be a really fun matchup, and we'll talk about some of the other um, play and matchups a little later in a different context. And uh, we'll discuss the actual playoff matchups next, but first uh, it's time for some straight talk. Sure. Saving money feels good, but cutting your wireless bill in half yeah half that feels really good. Like walk off home run in the ninth inning. Good. Okay. Maybe not that good, but pretty darn good with straight talk. You can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month. It's a good deal. Up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract. You're like a perpetual free agent. All on America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, let's talk about some of the playoff matchups that have actually been set. We have four playoff series that have already been set. We're awaiting the other four with the play-in tournament. So Woj, I will leave it to you. To pick whichever one you want to start with, we have Bucks Heat as the Bucks visit the Ghost of Bubbles Past. We have Blazers Nuggets, the Nurkic Jokic Bowl, obviously missing a critical player in Jamal Murray and some other critical players too for the Nuggets. Hawks Knicks, just two teams that are absolutely yep. lethal to be in the four or five series and do have drawn each other. <laughs> and, uh, and a rematch of Lakers, uh, I'm sorry, Clippers Mavericks. Uh, pick one, you can start us off. Well, you know what's like, I want to start with that Knicks. Hawks series in this context,
0: and I had another GM say this this to me the other day. The Knicks might not believe this, and maybe the Hawks too. One of them, obviously, is going to advance and go to the second round, and it's going to feel very ahead of schedule of where they thought they were. Now, the Hawks had upgraded in the offseason and thought, certainly, hey, we're a playoff team, and and they brought in a lot of talent. Trey Young's a star. Um, I think whichever one of them wins and advances – and I know they don't want to look at it now, and your fans don't want to look at it like that now. You just want to win, and who knows when you get back. But it, it's going to accelerate expectations for those teams moving forward, and because both of them, like you said, would just have been happy that they were in the postseason. Maybe they'd be a lower uh, a lower seed who'd lose in the first round. Obviously, one of them is going to advance. But the, the two series, to me, that are most compelling, I think, uh, the 4-5 in the East, Milwaukee and Philly, and then uh, Denver – and Portland, the 3-6 in the West. And I think Milwaukee's mindset about wanting to really go right at uh, M- Miami, they, they they had a chance to kind of try to duck that over the weekend. They didn't. Um, and their mindset wasn't, hey, we're, we're trying to play him, but we're not trying to avoid him. And And it starts with Giannis, who likes to go through things and likes to go through people. The fact that they lost to them, it makes him – last year makes him more determined – to, okay, if that's who's in front of us, let's go play them. I remember in the bubble last year, Zach, and I remember there was a lot of confidence around that Miami team when they saw Milwaukee in the second round waiting for them. And they were very confident that they matched up with them.
1: And by the way, you know they're going to walk out again this time around snarling, looking mm-hmm. across the court and saying, we we, ha- we think we have your number.
0: Yeah, and now you have this Bucks team that built itself they hope better for the postseason that, you know, we didn't win the, we, you know, we're not the number one seed. We weren't, uh, we built a team that we thought would have some more offensive capabilities, some more shot making beyond Giannis or some scoring around beyond Giannis and Chris Middleton. And, and you chronicled this a lot during the season, Zach, defensively doing things differently. And then, but you've seen, You've seen their efficiency go up as the years gone on. I think they've believed we can we can scheme and game plan in the postseason. We got we got a great coaching staff and and smart veteran players, but we've got to be able to do more offensively to advance in the playoffs. That's been their plan. There's a lot of pressure on Mike Budenholzer in this postseason to advance, Uh, but I think that that series is going to be really really compelling, physical, tough. I, I can't wait for it.
1: Yeah, there was a moment a few weeks ago where it looked like the Nets were going to have to go heat Bucks, Sixers to get out of the East and everyone sort of said, oh my God, what a what a tough road. And now it's the Bucks that have that, that same mm-hmm. road, basically, of heat, Nets, Sixers. Um, I mean, Zach,
0: and- Zach, what do you think about this Milwaukee team, how it's evolved, how it
1: might look different in the playoffs than it did last year? I think they're definitely better equipped to be a postseason team just because if you look at who, who are you closing with when it matters, right? And and I think last year it was Middleton, Giannis, and three open slots depending on, you know, who's hot that night or who's not cold that night or what whether Brooke Lopez can hang in the, this matchup defensively. Now you've got a third elite player to put in pen there, in Drew Holiday, who I thought was their second best player of the season. I thought he was a borderline All-NBA candidate uh, and a guy who can get buckets, you know, from nothing. when When things are bogged down, he can just sort of bully ball his way to the rim and get something going for you. And obviously defensively, he's a monster. I am a little surprised that we didn't see more of PJ Tucker at the five or Giannis at the five, whoever you want to say is the five in those lineups and, 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 you know, four other really good perimeter players. I think we'll see more of that in the playoffs, but I will say, you know, this is a team that, like you said, tried a whole bunch of new stuff, switching, switching some things, but not everything switching sometimes, but not with Lopez switching here and there and whatever that's hard that's hard to do and i think the playoffs are really really hard and they're they are going right off the bat with miami who's tough as nails completely confident in their own identity completely comfortable in their own skin the bucks are going to have moments where it's they feel do we trust this new stuff. Do we trust ourselves yeah. to execute it correctly? Do we trust that it's right for this matchup? Do we want to fall back on what's comfortable? They're going to have, they're going to have moments of truth pretty early on. It's going to be fascinating to see um, how they respond. I I'm with you. I think um, Hawks Knicks is just a whole lot of fun. And yeah. let's we can pivot there for just a couple of minutes. Uh, the Knicks swept that series. Julius Randall went bananas in every game. Um, and I think, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, who, who the Hawks use to defend Randall. Is it Capella? Mm-hmm. Is it Collins? Is it DeAndre Hunter? If it is DeAndre Hunter, is he starting? Well, if he's starting, who? what's their starting five? Has it played more than a token amount of minutes all season? And, and we get our first playoff Trey Young, right? And for years now, everyone has said, well, wait till Trey Young gets to the playoffs because if you think teams hunt Steph Curry on defense, wait till Trey Young finds out what's waiting for him in the playoffs – the Knicks are not super well equipped to play that kind of way, although Randall can do it a little bit. I'm really interested to see how those two teams sort of shake out, and it's it's just it's fun to have new blood and and new storylines.
0: Yeah, just getting playoff basketball back in the garden is going to be uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to it's going to be you know you know a few more fans in the arena, and uh, they're they're just like both teams, I think both teams have like, you've just seen such tremendous growth guys getting better. Nate McMillan's done a great job since he took over uh, midseason uh, for them. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's, you're right. That That's a fun series. I don't think a lot of pressure on either team. I think they're both a little bit of house money. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to compete at a high level, but I think, um, you know, that's certainly going to be one that, you um, you know, the, the, especially the Knicks, there's just something about this role they're on this year and that how that team has come together, the kind of year Julius Randall is having. And and, um, you know, they're um, they're going to be a, they're going to be tougher, Atlanta.
1: I think I think Atlanta is better and the Knicks might be a little bit tougher. Yeah, and, and I think it will be interesting to see how. I mean, not that Atlanta's not tough. Like, look at what Clint Capella is doing. I'm, I'm getting yeah. tired watching Clint Capella get rebounds every game. But the Knicks are just so rugged and physical and flying around on defense, and and it's been fantastic. I know yeah. you wanted to talk for a couple minutes about Blazers Nuggets. I agree mm-hmm. that that's a compelling uh, three six series in the West. And look, I don't know what Vegas is going to make that series, but without Murray and maybe without Barton and maybe with Monty Morris on a minute's restriction and maybe without P.J. Dozier and on and on with the Nuggets mash unit, Portland's starting five since they got Powell has been elite. Their defense with Nurkic on the floor has been very good. If they can get any stability from their bench, which is now pretty thin, I think the Blazers have a chance in that series. And you know as well as I do, there's been buzz about, well, if they flame out in the playoffs this year, is this – a coaching change possibility is, is there other change on the horizon and to their credit of Terry Stotts and the Blazers and the team Neil Shea put together, they just keep winning like that noise is there. And now they're, they won 42 games and I think they have a chance to win this series.
0: Yeah. And you think back, listen, everybody dealt with something this year, but CJ McCollum was having his best season when he went out with a foot injury right. and was gone for a month plus five, six weeks and has picked back up. But I think for the Blazers, this is a good matchup, especially when you consider that if it was the Lakers or the Clippers, the Lakers and Clippers defensively can take a lot away from Portland. Denver's not going to necessarily take a lot away from them. I think like they're going to be able to score on port. They're going to be able to score on Denver. Jokic is Jokic, and and Michael Porter has. With an increased role with Murray out, he's becoming what we all imagined he would be.
1: Big series for him because Portland's kryptonite. And I think one of the reasons they would not have been excited about a Clippers series are big shooting wings, Wings, big ISO wings. And he's got a chance to just shoot over Norm Powell, shoot over Covington, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, listen. Denver is you said it with with Jamal Murray. You know, if he's he's playing, we're having a different conversation about what we think this Denver ceiling is. But you know, you kind of felt Denver. They have enough to get
1: out of the first round. They have enough to win a first round series. Yeah, I want to make clear. I have so much respect for the Nuggets. Oh, it's
0: incredible, right? But but second, it's it's when all of a sudden now you face, you know, the second round, the conference semifinals in the West for them will be. That's you're going to feel like you're going to miss Murray more. That doesn't mean they can't lose this series, Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you know Dame and CJ and and they kind of just, just listen the the Norman Powell trade, Neil O'Shea made the Norman Powell trade at the deadline. And he just kind of said, listen, our, we're, I'm going to double down on what our strength is, which is great, great guard play. And they're tough to match up with. And those guys can, um, you know, Nurkic. uh, What this series also allows, as opposed to say, an L, an LA or a Clipper, it allows the uh, Clippers. It allows Nurkic to be on the floor. It allows them to play Cantor and Nurkic. They can play them against Denver. They can play their size. There's other series, um, where they, they, that's going to be really hard for them to play those guys. They can play them in this series. And I think that helps Portland too.
1: Yeah. Jokic's three point shooting will be a bellwether for me in this series. When he, when he's making a decent clip of his threes on good volume and forcing Nurkic to really run him off the arc. And that opens up his pump and go and pass game. He becomes really, really even more tough than usual. And the Nuggets have proven, tenfold now their toughness and their resiliency we don't necessarily think of them as a tough team but the 3-1 comebacks the the um the way they responded to murray's injury which is just an absolute heartbreaker this season i don't know what they finished but at one point they were 11 and 4 after murray's injury Mm -hmm. um and that's a credit to the players it's a credit to mike malone who has sort of imbued them with a a toughness and a resiliency they don't make excuses they're not going to whine about injuries um, did they try to win the last game of the regular season? Not necessarily. Um, but, but they are not going to just think of themselves as some sort of plucky underdog here. Yeah.
0: Like to me, like Mike Malone was like the new Rudy T in the bubble, right? He was like the new Rudy T like his team's coming back from the brink and, you know, they exuded his persona and, you know, Jokic, what Tim Connolly told me this year about Jokic after the injuries was that his leadership was such he was, he was really elevating their role players because he was essentially telling them, guys, I believe. I believe we can do this. And if I believe it, you should believe it. And that that really impacted their team. And he is in incredible condition. It's no accident he played 72 games this season. Uh, I think he told Rachel Nichols in an interview like he was drinking a gallon of Coke a day.
1: Oh, he had some gross, right? gross habits. Yeah, when he came and so... Over
0: here. <laughs> But then Tim says, Nicola. right. Game ends. He's in the weight room. He's lifting. He's just, and so that shows. And, and, um, and, and Michael Porter has been, you know, terrific and you've seen growth all over the court. And then Austin rivers comes in and has made an impact and filled some gaps for them um, with, with the injuries and, and losing some guys in the backcourt. You know, they're you know hopeful they can get Will Barton back in the playoffs. That would certainly be important. Another player who came into the league in Portland and had some right. su- had success there. He came in the, he was in the Nurkic Nurkic he was in the Nurkic trade right Will Barton was part of that trade right Nurkic for No nerd, Mason that was uh,
1: Barton Barton to follow uh
0: Barton,
1: Barton a follow. A follow. that's
0: right that was another one that was there you go so anyway uh that's a fun series That might be like the nba tv series uh but uh there's always that, one
1: there's always got to be one nba tv well, series well usually it's
0: the raptors right now we have no raptors usually they would put the they would put Port toronto not that there's nothing wrong with playing on NBA TV, but it's obviously, you know, in the first round, you're sort of, I think the Pacers have ended up. Yeah, in I was going to say times. the Pacers, I felt pacers, like every year with the NBA TV series. Pay, right, Apologies right. to
1: all the fans in Indianapolis. Yeah. It's just true. It's just yeah. a true thing. Um, all right, people, it's always streaming season on ESPN+. Plus. Stream thousands of live events, exclusive originals, the full 30 for 30 library, which is chock full of good stuff. Plus premium articles from NBA experts like Ramona Shelburne, Momo, Brian Windhorst, and us, Woj and I. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com.
0: You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call one 800 Directv or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package.
1: All right, let's pivot to the offseason, which is everybody's favorite NBA season, to be right. frank. Um, let's do uh, some rapid fire. You want to do some rapid fire, Woj?
0: Let's, let's do some rapid fire. Throw some out here. Lonzo Ball, go. Restricted free agency. The Bulls, there's a lot of interest there. That deal could have happened at the trade deadline. I think Lori Marketing, if Chicago is willing to maybe do more with draft, throwing a pick in that deal might've happened then, but they had done the deal with Orlando. They had sent picks off in that and they knew they had cap space. They knew they had the summer, Um, but there'll be teams, you know, the point guard position, like let's say we've got Chicago and we've got New York and we've got point guards and uh, we have a restricted point, a restricted free agent and Lonzo ball. We have an unrestricted free agent and Dennis Schroeder potentially with the Lakers. And so, uh, you know, those and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who, who is still out there uh, again, another right. uh, will, will very likely be, will be a free agent uh, coming off the surgery. He's been working out. He's been back. He's back on the court. And so uh, but I think a ball in Chicago will be an interesting one to watch. And it'll be interesting to see what New Orleans does and 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 how they structure how they want to structure their payroll how far they're willing to go on matching an offer sheet. Do they want to match it at all? Uh, But I think Lonzo will get a pretty good number. I think if um, uh, whether it's Chicago, um, whether it's New York and, and, you know, some other places that may still, you know, some other places with younger point guards who might want to bring in a little more of a veteran.
1: I, you just don't know if new Orleans like loves Lonzo ball. I, I just, I've never gotten that kind of vibe. And the wild card to me is they have Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyra Lewis, both of whom they love. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. The vibe is just a little strange to me. It, it's it's going to probably it could be one of those Zach where maybe you don't love him,
0: but do we want to lose the asset for nothing? Do we want to match an offer sheet and then in a year now we have him, we can trade him? What's the, the that's what comes into account in these restricted free agency is always really funky. I always say it brings out the worst and everybody, everybody gets angry at each other. Um, And, and it's especially when you don't come to the extension last year, but I thought they were fine this year there. And Lonzo had some, some really good moments this season. Uh, I think he's a good
1: fit. I think he's a decent fit with Zion. Like if the shooting is real, which it appears to be, he's not a great shooter, but he's now a good one and a a very willing one. Mm -hmm. Um, He's an unusual player, but he, he, he fits around point Zion in or whatever Zion is now uh, yeah. rim destroyer Zion, whatever he is uh, an absolutely incredible player, by the way, uh, obviously um, you mentioned the Knicks flush off a completely unexpected winning season. And not just we squeaked into the win column, like a winning season by several games. Um, lots of young players of varying value, lots of draft picks, including some from the Mavs of varying value. Um, and cap space how now they got to this point by I mean kind of being patient kind of spending their way out of mistakes of the past and all that how how exuberant and aggressive do you think they are going to be can they even can they even get anybody like a Beal is staying in Washington we'll get to that like is there even a next guy at this point or are we still waiting a year or two years for whoever the next disgruntled star is
0: yeah, I think they're on the disgruntled star alert. I think they're on the they have draft picks, they've got picks coming still from Dallas. They've got their own. They've got some young players who showed some growth with Tom Thibodeau that might be appealing to people. It depends what level of a star becomes available and who do you want to cast your chips in if they do. But I think they're in the conversation now, or they have the potential to be in the conversation for as a option for a player who might want out somewhere. And I, and I can't sit here and tell you now, Zach, who that's going to be. If that's going to be sometimes that player emerges off of a bad first round exit or a coach is let go that that player connected with doesn't like the new guy, whatever it is. There are a lot of things that can trigger it. I don't know that there's an obvious one right now, but history tells us someone will emerge because it almost always does. And the Knicks then are the Knicks are very much on patrol for that. I don't know that it's going to be unrestricted free agency this summer. I don't know if it's if it's that we we mentioned like Dennis Schroeder, uh, Lonzo in restricted free agency, but certainly I think they're going to take some. They'll be out there trying to take some big swings uh, in the trade market. I mean, think last summer when you know they really wanted at well, it wasn't summer; it was fall. I always say the summer. Last yeah, offseason. Just say
1: summer. It's it's, it's the same. It's summer still means offseason. You
0: know, Gordon Hayward, who didn't really give the Knicks, the Knicks weren't willing to go as far financially, certainly, as Charlotte was. But boy, think of Gordon Hayward. I I don't think any of us thought what happened was going to certainly nobody did. Uh, but they were in there with Gordon Hayward. They tried. Uh Charlotte was really willing to go with four years and you know, 130 million and uh, so uh, they're going to be back. Yeah, that, that's the path the Knicks are on right now. And uh, that, that's what we should be watching for in the offseason.
1: Well, one of the someones that has been speculated about without much grounds, I don't think, but his name comes up all the time is in Minnesota. And to your point about the unpredictability of the NBA, the Timberwolves finished this season with great vibes. I mean, they have to be thrilled with how Edwards, Russell and Towns look together. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for their fans. I hope that works. But but the way Edwards played the last 25 games, Russell finally integrated himself into the starting five. I mean that they have something you can you can it, discard it as just late season whatever. But I don't think it was. I think they. I'm not, not that they're like a great team ready to contend next year. But the progress they showed to me looked real. And I think for for a fan base that and they didn't have Malik Beasley during yeah. most of it. Uh, that's something to be encouraged about. All right, I got a wild one for you. Ready, or one mm-hmm. that's not being talked about too much? Kawhi Leonard.
0: I think Kawhi is staying with the Clippers. I don't think that there's, he hasn't said that uh, publicly. He probably won't till the day he signs his contract. I don't sense, I know there's been some mention of Miami. Could Miami be a sleeper for him? I, I think he's where he wants to be geographically. I think he's liked, I think he's liked, I think he's gotten along very well within the organization, with management, with ownership. Uh, I think Ty Lu has been, I think Ty Lu has really, really been good this year for them. I think he's held, the, the way it's been described with me with Ty in LA is Ty can, Ty can hit you without leaving a bruise. And, oh, I like and that. yeah, and and can coach can coach you hard, uh, can hold guys accountable, and I think that's an environment Kawhi likes. I think it's been good for this team. And but listen, things can go sideways when all of a sudden you you get knocked out earlier than you expect. I think we all look at their series with Dallas and we say like they, they should be able to win that series. And
1: I'll say this about the Clippers. I don't think they're being talked about enough. In, in, and I mean that everybody's they,
0: hedging on them. Everyone is just thinking of last year and hedging.
1: Well, right. Cause, and they've had another weird year where guys are in and out of the lineup. You know, Abaca just came back at the end. Beverly just came back at the end. Um, And Rondo was a big trade deadline addition that we've seen integrated, but not quite as smooth, not it's been smooth, but not quite as much voluminously as I think they would like. But I'm just saying they have the mystery of last season's collapse hanging over their heads, and they always will until they sort of put it to bed. But I just think you look logically at the West. I think it's fair to be a tiny bit – skeptical is the wrong word. I'll say curious about whether Utah and Phoenix are as good in the playoffs as they were in the regular season, particularly with Donovan Mitchell having missed the last chunk of the regular season.
0: Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's missed a lot of time. The
1: Lakers are recovering from injury, trying to right themselves, trying to get in the playoffs. Jamal Murray is is hurt, and boy, was I close to pulling the trigger on a Denver wins the championship prediction before Jamal Murray got hurt. Like, the logic just points you to this kind of should be the year of the Clippers. Like, if there was ever a year where the things seemed to be aligning, and things are always aligning against the Clippers, but this, like, logic dictates you, and they're just sort of churning along – in four, happy to be four, lost the last game of the season on purpose, et cetera, et cetera. I just I, – I think with all the play and talk about the Lakers and all the curiosity about the Jazz and the Suns, I just think there is and should be an enormous amount of pressure on the Clippers. This is a huge opportunity yeah. for them, and, and they, they really need to seize it.
0: Yeah, on a lot of levels. I think there's a lot of pressure on Paul George. There's a lot of pressure on management who put the team together. Uh, Ty Lue coming in, replacing Doc. Uh, it's, it's just, and like you said, this, there's a window here for them to do this. And the Lakers are coming from the bottom of the bracket. Uh, uh, Jamal Murray's out. Uh, Phoenix, I think everybody, Phoenix has been an incredible story this season. Chris Paul has been awesome, but people still see a lot of young guys who haven't been in these playoff battles yet and want to see how they react to it and how it looks. So uh, the Clippers, they're not going to be any excuses this year for them. They they have the opportunity to do this. They're playing well enough. They've been you know, um, like that one to me is I'm glad they and the Lakers stayed away from each other early. The idea that those two could be you know be able to play each other later in the postseason and 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 you mentioned Utah with Donovan Mitchell. I think they've got a little mini training camp here. The way it works with six days. Before your first game, they can get them back and, and playing and and, and get it, have a first round series. We'll see how taxing that series is based on who they play. Uh, but uh, to me, still Utah is going to be at home with fans in the arena at altitude. Having to go through there is 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 still going to be tough for anybody.
1: Oh, Utah's Utah's legit. I I, I don't. They I mean... can play
0: so many different ways. They can play you so many different ways. You want to play big? You want to play small? They're going to defend you. Uh, at, at an elite level, they're shooting threes in a way no one has ever done. They can they can attack you in so many different ways and and play opponents. They built such a unique roster, versatile and and talented and deep. Uh, like you just can't say enough about what they've done with that organization there.
1: But but Mitchell and Conley, and I think to a greater extent Mitchell, are the answers to. What happens when they face a team that just switches everything and all your pick and rolls with Gobert don't force rotations don't open seams everything's pretty and that's easier said than done like Utah knows how to play against switches they know how to beat switches they know how to counter them but Mitchell is the bucket getter and Conley is the other bucket getter one on one when the chips are down. But I, I think they're a really good team. And I think the degree to which Gobert has quote-unquote played off the court in the playoffs has been like completely exaggerated. Gobert's been pretty good in the playoffs. He's been, he'll be fine. Uh, last one on the offseason, speaking of the Suns, Chris Paul, sneaky player option for next season.
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting one with a player option, right? You could do an extension off of that option, right? You could have the, the, the this year, it's a, it's a uh, gigantic number, 40-something, right? It's a big 40, one. Yeah, 40-something million. You know, you can do an extension off that. You can, uh, you know, you can uh, opt out of it and do another deal. There's options there. Uh, The extension obviously would be with Phoenix. It certainly seems to me that it's hard to imagine him going somewhere else. Phoenix, with the success they've had, with what he's meant to them, that they have to find a way there. I think Chris Paul's loved it. He wanted to be there. And... He had to convince Phoenix a little bit that they were ready for him, that they were at a point where bringing him on really could elevate this team. He, he loved the idea of being staying in the West and geographically, and he saw that young team. He saw the impact he could make, the young players, and Monty Williams, who who he knew and, and had history with. Uh, so Chris has proved all that to them. It's a matter of, like, how far is Robert Sarver going to go financially? What does it look like? What are his other options? You know, we we mentioned New York and looking for a point guard. Obviously, New York's out there. Leon Rose, New York's president, is his former agent. Uh, that you know, that's a maybe a leverage point for him, uh, but also could be a reality. Uh, but I I I think Phoenix, like Robert Sarver, has been dying to have a relevant team again. He has been dying to have an organization that was not considered a laughingstock around the league. He's got that now Monty Williams and uh, Chris Paul certainly is the leaders, but, but what Devin Booker has met and Deandre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges uh, I, I, I gotta believe they find a way to get a deal. There's, there's too much. There, there's, there's too much there, Zach um, to lose for everybody by not getting a deal done.
1: I would agree. I would agree. We'll see. As you said, the playoffs can throw everything that we expect about the offseason into some havoc, so we'll see. Mm. We're going to get to your questions next for the Q&A, but I wanted to remind you first that you can catch every game of the play-in tournament on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app starting tomorrow with Hornets, Pacers, and Wizards, Celtics. The East gets tomorrow, and then the Western Conference playing games on Wednesday are on ESPN. Spurs, Grizzlies, and then Warriors, Lakers. I will be staying up on the east coast for that one which is rare because i am an old man that likes to go to bed but i will be up till 1 a.m if that's what it takes because that is how exciting that game is all right well do you want to do some q a a uh, submitted questions from, yeah, from the listeners
0: yeah there's some good ones
1: how about we start with this one speaking of east plan this is from will in north carolina why did this celtic season fall apart he says they're the most frustrating over 500 team in organized sports history, which is, I, if, I will tell you, the sky is really falling in Boston when you talk to people there. It's, it's like I didn't really know. I'm not there. I'm not talking to people there every single day. I just kind of thought, man, it's not a great season for the Celtics. That that question from Will, or that is not a question. It's just a declaration from Will that they're the most frustrating team over 500 in organized sports history is indicative of how that fan base feels. So, like, I have my answer, yeah. but I'm curious, what What do you think?
0: Well, I'm going to defer to you on this one, Zach. I think it is it is not any one thing. I know it's people want to put it on Brad Stevens. They want to put it – like, they have suffered significant a significant talent drain there in recent years. Like, they really miss Gordon Hayward. He was great for them last year. I know he got hurt. Uh, In the, you know, he got hurt in the bubble and he came back and played two games in the playoffs. Right. And one was pretty good and one wasn't. And 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 people remember that he was a highly efficient player for them last year. And, you know, this is a team that. I still think their core is the right core, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Brad Stevens, you keep building off of those three and you can and, and Marcus Marcus Smart. And and I include him because he's just he's such an important player for them. But I think this is gonna be the year to not make to not make rash judgments off of this COVID season and all the issues that impact the teams, to not to be careful, to not go and 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 do dramatic overhauls of whether it's leadership or your best players. Off of this weird thing everybody just went through, and trust that you've had a group in place that's had a lot of success—three conference finals in four years—with Brad Stevens, uh, right, right, Zach. So certainly they've got to uh, the, the talent's got to get better. Kemba Walker—they are so reliant on his health. Uh, he is such for them, you know, a player who you know, when, when they lost Kyrie Irving, like they went and signed Kemba, they knew there were questions about, everybody knew there were questions physically about him. And that, that four-year deal, like, like it, it was going to be, there were going to potentially be some challenges. There have been physically for him, but like nobody cares more than Kemba Walker. Nobody is willing to play through pain the way that guy is. No one's a better leader than he is. And so the issue is just like him physically holding up. Um, I think Boston with an offseason tune up, you know, getting, I-, I think, again, trying to get some more talent in there, but to me, not at the expense of their two all-star forwards and not their head coach.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I saw Danny Ainge went on his weekly radio spot and said something about, you know. We're going to make some changes. They might be drastic changes. Um, and I just thought, you know, or it was something like, we'll see how drastic they are. And I thought, I don't know what drastic changes there are to be made. I mean, you're not trading Jalen Brown unless some, some unexpected deal comes about. You're not trading Tatum, period. You're not firing Brad Stevens. So I don't really know sort of what there is to be done in that regard. I just look at this as like the simplest answer is, is the best answer, which is they had a talent drain over years now. Kemba Walker hasn't been himself. Marcus Smart was injured. Jason Tatum got COVID. They traded for Evan Fournier. He instantaneously got COVID. It's just been the season from hell for them, and and they and, and when it didn't, they were the talent drain meant that when one of their top four guys was injured or out, they just had too many guys who weren't ready for the roles they were thrust into. And I think they can look and at least say toward the end of this season. Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith look like guys who can contribute to the next really good Celtics team, not in huge roles, but in some role. And I, and, and Robert Williams is, is right there in in that same category, better than them. Obviously. I I don't think the sky is falling there. I get why there's that perception. The Kemba thing is the real problem, right? If he's just never going to be the player that he was in Charlotte, the player that they signed consistently, you would see that player for a week, two games, three games, It's just going to be hard for them until that contract cycles through to really build around those two guys. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's get to a couple of other questions before we go. I like this one. I have my own answer, so I may self-answer it. The biggest non-COVID, I can't believe this is how we have to phrase questions. (laughs) Do you ever have these moments where you're like looking around and you think, did all of this really happen? Like, is this, If we all actually live this for anyway, uh, what is is the biggest non-COVID related what if of the season? Do you have an answer for that?
0: I think there's only, I think there's really only one answer. It's Jamal Murray's injury in Denver. I mean, you've written, you, you wrote about it that day. I mean, that piece you wrote the night of the injury and it's just everything Denver had done was to build, they, they built to this season. They methodically built this organization. Tim Connolly, first tourist Karnishavis with him, and now um, uh, uh, Calvin Booth, certainly uh, his GM, and, and, and Mike Malone, and what they've done. They, they drafted well. They took some chances. They developed players. They made great trades. And then all of a sudden, here they were, And you said this team could have won the championship.
1: I really think now if they had drawn the Lakers in the first round, you would, I would have, I would have fretted. I would have fretted. Yeah. But once they got Aaron Gordon and the fit was clearly what they envisioned, I just thought these guys are ready to rock and roll. Their window is wide open. It's now.
0: And Aaron Gordon came in there and said, guys, like I am ready to do whatever it is you want me to do. I'm going to be a passer. I'm going to be a defender. You know, we're gonna get in the playoffs. You know, you can use me to guard all the great big wing players that are gonna be out there in the postseason that you have to go through in the Western Conference. I don't care about scoring. And Aaron Gordon was in the exact right mindset. It was the right trade at the right time. And it just shows you how fragile it is, how lucky you have to be. And Jamal Murray goes down. And it doesn't just impact this year with that's Denver. the thing. It People impacts it. next year.
1: People thought the reaction was overwrought, including my reaction, where I just thought it makes you think about the fragility of NBA title contention. It's not just this year. It's next year because he's going to miss a lot of next season. And we've seen with other guys with ACL injuries, you don't know how quickly does he become Jamal Murray again. Like, Nikola Jokic is 26. This is – it's now. It's right now. And it's threatening two years of of an MVP. He's going to win MVP of an MVP's prime. I mean, it is really – Every team, every franchise has these moments and they suck. It's not unique to Denver, but this was a particularly kind of fun team, homegrown, and it just, it was such a gut punch.
0: Yeah. And, and again, like they have just done nothing, but played really good basketball since he went down, but there comes a point deeper in the playoffs where that they're just going to miss Murray, the ability to have three really high level offensive players, Uh, And the way Jokic and Murray play together and the way they played off each other. Um, uh, But like, nobody wants to play them. Like they're dangerous. They're they're, they're good enough to beat anybody out there. They're probably good enough. uh, Probably certainly after the first round, after Portland, you know, it it becomes even more, uh, a more difficult challenge for them, even if they can get past the Blazers.
1: And I, and obviously, I mean, people are sympathetic, but, the NBA is not a sympathetic world. Pro sports is not a sympathetic world. No yeah, one's going to apologize for beating the Nuggets in the playoffs if nope. and when they are beaten. Um, everyone is going to suffer their their uh, their down moments. Uh, let's do a couple more. John in Virginia as an interesting one that's of the moment. Well, having a play-in tournament and flattening the lottery odds just incentivize long-term mediocrity for NBA teams. Hmm.
0: It's a good question. Um, hey, listen, there were there were teams who Oklahoma City did not vote for flattening the lottery odds. And that was at a time they were still very, very good. And they were trying to compete for championships. There were some small market teams who still believed the only, the, our, the only way, the only way we have a chance is to get that number one pick or the second pick or the third pick. And, and we've got to be in position to be able to do that not year after year after year but in a given year and you've seen OKC like once they decided that they had just done too much winning this year and the numbers and and they have just um i mean the last night of the season was i was waiting for them just to put four guys in the game against the Clippers <laughs> was
1: i was waiting bad. for
0: i was waiting for them to to like check in the 2001 like their 2025 first round pick check him into the game um he's somewhere in uh Probably Serbia playing um, right now hasn't even, it probably isn't uh, entered in the draft yet, but uh, the, they won the game. The Clippers, uh, <laughs> the Clippers lost it. They, were, seemed, they both seemed determined to not win that game, but is uh, but right. And I think, listen, tanking still existed this year. Toronto was not trying to make the play in. Uh, Oklahoma City, certainly, there came a point where um, like they, they, they checked out of the season.
1: And even Detroit, I mean, Detroit, you know, like Jeremy Grant would disappear for a few games here and there. Mason Plumlee disappeared. Like Detroit played the kids. Like it not, it's maybe you don't call that tanking, but they weren't going all out to win games.
0: Yeah. And, and I think Detroit, like they played hard. They were yeah. competitive. No it was what they wanted. It's what you want the environment to be. And, and, and it's why they extended Dwayne Casey. And they want to continue to keep him there with that group. Um, I, I just think that the league, you know, it goes back in a few years, like what Philadelphia did spooked the league and they didn't want to see not just another team do it, but having multiple teams doing it. And, And so the play in was a way obviously to try to curb some tanking. It was a way to keep more teams involved in meaningful games later in the season. You look at the other sort of unintended consequences. I think it's a lot of teams talked about it, jamming up the trade deadline that it was just harder to get deals done because uh, there were fewer sellers. And then the, the sellers that were there were asking so much for players that teams were like, I don't really know if that guy's going to impact us. I'm not mortgaging our future with this young player, that pick, we're not doing a deal that, that it, it allowed teams to say, ah, we're going to hang around and, 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 and try to get in, try to get into uh, the play. And in some teams, Listen, New Orleans didn't tank. They wanted to make the playoffs. They just yeah, weren't they good went, enough. Yeah, they went. They went to the end to do it. Yeah, Sacramento wants to be in the playoffs. They weren't good enough. They didn't win enough to get. Sacramento there.
1: might try to play six guys for a couple minutes here or there to, to to try and sneak out a win down the stretch to make the playoffs. That's how badly they want to make it.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I think it'll be. I don't think it's going anywhere. Certainly, but listen, I think ultimately, and the, and the questions about incentivizing mediocrity there are going to be organizations who are just not committed or are not nearly as committed as they need to be to win in the NBA. And they exist. They've had, they've always existed and it is based on the kind of ownership you get buying into the league, what kind of owners they bring in and their ability to run good organizations. And so it's incumbent on the NBA when there are ownership changes that they're good ones and they let people, they that, that people come in um, who can, it, sometimes it takes a while to figure it out. Um, and so we are always going to have teams and I'm sure it's, I think it's true in any sport. Um, there's there's going to be owners and organizations that are, are okay with just being okay and and, and turning a profit, get um, grabbing their share of revenue sharing, whatever it is. And it's really hard to legislate into the league great commitment to do it the right way. And so however the lottery odds are, there's going to be a level of, of, um, of competency, commitment that's going to just keep a group of teams probably struggling to get out of their own way and,
1: and join the rest of the
0: league in a competitive world.
1: Yeah, I don't think it incentivizes mediocrity. I don't think mediocrity is really ever incentivized except in the sort of general, can we make a profit way that you describe. I think really you could reframe this question. Does it, does it incentivize teams to try to be pretty good And some of the teams that try to be pretty good will fail and end up being mediocre. Yes. But I think overall, it's going to try to, it's going to incentivize teams to try to be whatever the best version of themselves that particular year. It's like you said, there's never going to be no tanking now The tanking and no matter where, how you do the lottery odds, there's always a demarcation point somewhere. Right. And now it's, can we get into the top three worst records? Can we get it? You know, wherever you put the line, there's going to be tanking to try to get under that line. But I think these are, are largely positive changes and we are going to uh, live the fruits of those changes over the next 72 hours with this play-in tournament. Uh, we've used up our time. Woj, thank you for your time. Thank you for everybody who tuned in to listen to us babble. Um, stay safe. Enjoy the postseason. Enjoy the play. And Woj, you have any parting words? Yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun.
0: It, it's fun to do this with uh, an audience and, and people hanging in there with us and and we're we're fired up for the postseason. I'm glad we've got some great games on ESPN this week. We've got uh, uh, a lot coming, so you know playoffs, drafts coming, free agency comes on the heels of that. But it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to get into some playoff basketball. I think there's gonna be I think this first round and we get the play in, and then the first round. There's some great matchups.
1: What I really want to do, and thanks again everyone who tuned in. It's Zoom. It's impersonal. It's not the most fun thing in the world. I can't wait till we can do stuff like this in a crowded bar yep. beer in hand, where I can say hello to people um, in person and thank them for listening to us and all that. But thank everybody who tuned in. Woj, thank you. Thank Enjoy you, the Jack. playoffs, everybody. We'll all see right. you on the other side.
0: And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream TV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not you and your sunflower seeds.
1: TV has the most MLB games. Call one 800 Direct tv Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.